Jimmy Blackman is a retired Army colonel, speaker, author, and managing partner at Exactus Advisors. He joins Charlie and Katie to talk about his 30 years in the Army, including time at Fort Campbell, the stories behind his successful books, and speaking in front of crowds of thousands. Jimmy even talks about a very special project he has, musically writing a brand new album. All this and much, much more on this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. So, so Jimmy, Katie, is a, is a speaker, an author, a leadership, mm-hmm. uh, a, a speaker. I mean, I mean, my goodness, you're, is there one that you enjoy more than the other? Um, you know, the consulting side, I'm a managing partner in a consulting firm out of Chicago, Exactus Advisors. And, uh, that's rewarding to get in with a company and really see the difference you're making, like help them with the mechanics of Uh changing their organization, leading more effectively, shaping culture. Um, but I like 2000 people on a stage with a spotlight too. That's a lot of fun too. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had an opportunity to watch, uh, Jimmy in, in action. And I tell you, even though I know some of your story, I don't know all of it, but I know some of it. And and the way you're a storyteller, yeah. And it's just a lot of fun because you can relate your story to a corporate story and and intertwine that. It's it's really pretty cool to see how you do that. Do you do you take a lot of time to research a company that you're going to speak to so you can kind of morph your speeches into that? Sure. I I mean, you want to, you know really drive home the points that the, you know, executive leadership wants or, or feels that their company needs. Um, on something just like a keynote or a half day seminar with them, you gotta, you gotta get to those nuggets that they really feel like they need to focus on. In a longer term consulting thing, I'm able to get in there, you know, really do some one to ones with their folks and I can target a little bit better than sometimes I can see them, them a little better than they can, frankly. After That's probably true. So. Yeah. Yeah. I have a random question. So you wrote these three books, Southern Roots, Pale Horse, and Cowboys Over Iraq. So did the leadership speaking stuff come first, or did the books come first? I mean, what inspired you to do this job? So... uh, the only way I have the content and the stories is having lived those experiences uh-huh. that you read in those. You know, Charlie brings up being able to tell a story. I, I I can tell a story. That's my strength. But that came from growing up in rural northern Georgia before Internet, computers, cell phones. And uh, we sat on the back porch and a bunch of old men in overalls told stories. I mean, and I was mesmerized by them as a kid. You know, my grandfather yeah. and his his drinking buddies. And, and they would tell these stories that were so uh, colorful and charismatic. I mean, old women could describe a baby and make you smell it. And they held mm-hmm. that baby in 1960, yeah. you know, I mean, and so I began telling these stories and then my experiences through the military, it was just, uh, it was just a matter of translating the story to the written word from there. The leadership was a part of my military experience. I mean, I, you could say I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. A lot of times I was involved in the battles in which five medals of honor were earned. And I was the air mission commander on the mission at kill Saddam Hussein's sons, Udan Kusei Hussein. So if you live to tell the story, you got a lot of content. It's just translating that mm-hmm. to, okay, how now do you, do you, you know, my definition of leadership is to inspire human behavior. It doesn't matter the scale or size of the organization. We're all just trying to inspire those that work for us, get the most out of everyone on the team. It's it's fun to, to see some of the things Jimmy says in his books and uh, about about the folks that you have worked with. And 
Tell me, how has your writing changed since your first book to your third book? Oh, a lot. <laughs> I mean, a lot. Um, you know, it, it's like any skill. The more you practice, the better you are. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I, I'd always loved reading. I liked the way good writers made me feel. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the reason I started writing is I wanted to make other people feel those things. And, and I, it's really, I don't always love writing. I love having written. So yeah. sometimes the process yeah. can be, yeah. you know, challenging, but you evolve, you get better, um, with feedback. You learn what really resonates with people and what doesn't. I have a, a great eye for detail. Uh, and I remember when I have experiences where I felt something, why did I feel that? What did they say? What did they do? Leadership's no different. Tying that to the same thing as reading something that gives you an emotional response. Uh, I would tell my leaders in the Army, they won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a lift Mm -hmm. from something Maya Angelou wrote uh, years ago. Um, But it's true. Uh, it is now, true. how do you how do you relate that to people through words? And so I practice all the time. I mean, after you know, the next book after Cowboys is already done. It's not a book; it's an album. We've written an album, and we're we're recording it right now. It'll be released uh, summer twenty twenty. So I'm always writing poetry, songs, something, articles, mm-hmm. and you get better as you do it. Oh, yeah, I guarantee you do. And you know, you know, it's funny when when you look at some of the the people that are, that are mentioned in your in your books and the people that support you. I mean, he's got he's got some pretty pretty I'll, I'll say powerful folks that that believe in you and support you in what you do. Uh your relationships are pretty strong. Yeah, I, I've been fortunate to work for some great folks. Uh, obviously, uh, General Stan Crystal wrote the forward to Pale Horse, uh, Dave Petraeus to Cowboys Over Iraq, and and a lot of folks said, uh, you know, people around Clarksville would know, of course, uh, General J.C. Campbell. Um, mm-hmm. y- you know, you stay in the 101st long enough, you're going to meet just yeah, about everybody. I was yeah. fortunate to stay here a long time. I, I was here to my knowledge, longer consecutively than any officer in the 101st, uh, almost 15 years straight, uh, one geographical bachelor year yeah. for the War College and right back. So. Yeah, that, that's a task in itself. Yeah. If, if you're not in 160th or, or 5th group, you tend to not be in one place for a long time. Yeah. So um, just out of curiosity, talking about, you know, speaking to all these corporations and leadership and stuff, when you go in, what is an – there's a – Fine line between managing people and leading people. What is the issues that you consistently see inside these organizations? That they don't understand the difference between management and leadership, Mm -hmm. if you want, you know, specifically to what you said. So, my definition of leadership is to inspire human behavior. I don't care if you're leading a family, coaching a little league softball team, or leading a family business or major corporation. We're all in the same business. Maximize the potential of everyone in the organization, the end result of which is you maximize the potential of the organization. But So if you buy my definition of leadership, the leadership is to inspire human behavior. We lead human beings. Mm-hmm. We manage processes and systems. There's a difference. Right. Good leader is a good manager. Good manager does not equal good leader. I, I work with Ivy League PhDs and uh, masters in you know MBAs that are leading business. They understand business inside out. They've never led anyone in their life, nor have they ever had any you know coaching training on how to lead people. And so there's a big divide there. I, I work, I mean, Fortune 100 companies with folks that lead a couple of hundred people and have never had any formal leadership training well it's interesting because when you talk about i love that inspire human behavior 
And I think some people get caught up in that, oh, I sent you a great email telling you how great you are. Well, that didn't really inspire me. It's how you made me feel about it. So I think yeah. there's a fine line there, too. It's not just a, anybody can be a rah-rah. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. you, you've got to be authentic and you've got to connect. It goes back to what Charlie said with these relationships. Um, uh, that that takes time, and the more automated we become, I was in Silicon Valley uh, in third quarter, and um, I spend a, a fair amount of time out there. And you stand in front of these techies and and say, "I don't care how technologically advanced we become, life isn't always will be about people and relationships." And I believe that there's still um, meaningful business deals made on a golf course because it's where you're connecting in a meaningful way versus, as you said, via mm-hmm. a text or an email mm-hmm. or something that's, it doesn't mean anything truly. I don't see how you keep up with everything you do. As we're sitting here talking, I'm like, this could be like five different podcasts. Oh, He's got so much be. going on. I promise you. And and I've got some other things I want to ask you about, before, but before okay. I do, Tell us how somebody can get in contact with you about about your books, about speaking, all, all those things. JimmyFBlackman.com. Um, my, my website has pretty much everything. Or um, through Exactus Advisors, uh, both of those, ExactusAdvisors.com or JimmyFBlackman.com. Pretty much all over social media. Yeah. You, you have to be today. It's it's funny. I meet a lot of, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. Gen Xers and the baby boomers that are out the backside. And they I'm a really, Gen Xer. He yeah. he's like borderline. No, hey, I'm no, still no, I'm still not. with you. I know. I'm, still, I'm, I'm yeah. two years off uh, Boomer. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a lot of them don't want to go there, but that ship sailed. Right. That's that's where uh, your clients are. That's where your competitors are. That, that, that's where brands are being built. You, you got, you've got to be there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, so we talk about all these things you do professionally, but but Jimmy has spent a lot of time here in Clarksville, Montgomery County, Fort Campbell area, and y'all have a lot in common. Kids wow. playing baseball. And and how Jimmy, old are your kids, Jimmy? Uh, my youngest is sixteen. Okay. And, 19, 21, and twenty five. Thirteen and ten. So yeah, but he's he's been where you are and. And what I find fascinating is, as busy as you are, to find time to help coach baseball teams and interact, you've got a ton of friends in our area. And, you know, of course, kids bring parents together, and that's that's how I got to know right. Jimmy. And then, you know, it was just, I'm just amazed at watching you separate your family time and your work time, because it's got to be incredibly hard. Yeah, the it, but but it's important that we're there. Uh, yeah. Having you know, I went for you know, I was gone six out of twelve years. Those years that I was here, I coached every year in Clarksville National Little League CNCLL. Mm-hmm. I coached a state championship all star team uh, as eleven year olds, and um, so if you're going to be gone for a year, you've got to make the time that you are here matter. And yeah. so balance became really important. A lot of people talk about balance, but they can't spell the word. Right. You know, they just yeah. can't. Yeah. And right. I, you know, I felt that, you know, there were important things we had to do in the military because by the time you came back from a deployment, you were already preparing for the next one. Yep. But how do you walk that fine line between meaningful engagement with your family and being prepared enough to form the team to, to go mm-hmm. back and Part of that with me because my kids were in sports, two girls that played basketball and fast pitch softball and one son that played baseball all the way through and plays for Rossby now. Uh, that, that's where I needed to be. So yeah. that's where our family spent quality time together. 
Well, I, I admire that because you're out here inspiring others and it's like you're walking the walk. I mean, if you're inspiring others, but then not an inspiration at home, then you kind of miss the mark. So I, that's, I admire that. And it is hard to find balance. It is. You've got to be intentional with it. And, so. and you're, a, you're quite an athlete in your own regard. You, what, mean, sport, what sport did you play, Jimmy? Is is a is is present tense. Well, in your age, in your age group, in your age group, yeah. you're probably quite impressive. What was your I sport? Was, well, so I've won three archery world championships, and I wow. made a U.S. world team in cross country. Oh, that's impressive. Other than that, it not much. I mean, I don't have an athletic bone in my body. When back when I was in school, literally, the coach said you should be a cheerleader, Katie, because you're really loud. No joke. It seems like the the focus in in those sports. Um, do people say that archery is a sport or not a sport? Is there an argument is, out there? Is NASCAR? I don't know. I mean, I, I believe that it yeah. is. I was just I was just wondering. It's all relevant. But I mean, it's the, an Olympic sport. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> so so, but the technical skills you have to have with the steady hand, the eye. You know, I I couldn't do it if if you you made me. I probably couldn't draw the bow back, but. You know? <laughs> well, I grew up doing it. My dad shot competitively, so oh, okay. I had a bow in my hand when I was a kid. That's kind of what started that. But, um, you know, I, and I, if I've ever done any motivational stuff, I have done several seminars where we talk about goal setting, prioritization, mm-hmm. and being the best version of you that you can be. And I, and I use the, why was I able to win three Archer World Championships, make a U.S. Armed Forces World Team in cross country, write a few books, get a few master's degrees, and have a successful Army career? Not because I was overly talented at all. Um, I think my dad, the biggest thing he did in me was instill a work ethic in me. I'm also a bit OCD. My wife does not like new hobbies because I become a, I can't do it halfway. Mm-hmm. I have to do it the best I can do it. But I think I'm proof that you don't have to be overly talented if you're the best version of you. You can go a long way and a mm-hmm. lot of different things that you want to do, but it takes focus and drive and self-discipline. But you know, being being in the army or, or being a helicopter pilot or any of those things, I want somebody that's OCD because oh, for sure, because you have to you have to be focused on every one of those things, or something bad can happen. Sure. So, do you have any new hobbies that you're focused on right no, now? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Work. Um, yeah the 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 schedule is challenging in the winter. This is the busiest time of the year for me because companies are doing conferences and summits. And you know, I, I flew in last night at midnight from Costa Rica. I've been down there nine days. I'm in D.C. next week, four days, and then the next three weeks in Chicago. And so mm-hmm. I think I'm at home five nights in February. These are good problems. These are first world problems. Yeah. Uh-huh. Make no mistake. But, um, but you know, I'm able to take the last week of June through the first week of August completely off and take uh, 25, 30, 14 to 18 year olds for a week on the Appalachian Trail, mm-hmm. you know, do a week fishing in um, in Canada and, you know, protect that time for family and take Lisa to Hawaii for a week. So, yeah, yeah, you better be good to her. There's the yeah. balance. That's finding the balance again. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. As you can tell, he's he's pretty active. Very it's, impressive. And we've, you know, we've kind of gone, we've, kind of gone over your your career in like 15 minute time span but what what have we missed what are we leaving out what what is there about jimmy blackman that we have not touched on <laughs> I, I don't think anybody realized the depth of this musical thing so i grew up in a musical family um my mom sang on the radio for about 14 years uh, in the from 58 to 
71 or 72, somewhere around there. And so I grew up in that. Um, I mean, I was sent off to music school and everything. I acted uh, in high school, went to very artsy high school, and then even through college. And and then kind of left that and went into the military. Now I look back and look at these things that influenced my ability to tell a story or to lead and inspire people. Mm -hmm. That drama made a big difference. Singing from the time I was a little kid on a stage in front of, you know, tons of people made a difference. And and so I would have to say the thing that that is most inspiring to me right now is writing this album. No one's writing about the war. So, um, you know, to be able to put that to music, because music touches you in a unique way. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, there are a lot of people that aren't going to read a book, but they're, they'll listen to the songs and you can touch them in a unique way. And I, I, I take great pride in being able to tell these stories because there's a backstory to every one of these songs. It was, it's it certainly a, a part of me and every one of them, but things that other soldiers told me or I mm-hmm. heard, I observed them talking mm-hmm. about that really mattered. There's, there's one called freedom and it's every time, every deployment you'd hear soldiers all the time sitting around in little groups. When I get home, I'm going to eat a 14 ounce steak. I'm going to eat everybody that thing. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. there's that soldier, I'm going to drink a pint of Jack. <laughs> you yeah, know? Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. so I, I wrote the song about when I get home, I'm going to hug my mom around the neck. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, yeah. you know, and just all these things they, they did. So it, it's been one of the most rewarding things I've done in a while. I think that's pretty yeah. fresh in my mind right now because we're in the middle of it. Yeah. And I, I grew up in the music business. My mother, you know, uh, that whole story. But, but music is a great connector because we could have completely polar opposite political views or sports teams or whatever, but we can come around a song. Especially and, a song. And just be, patriotic just song. love it yeah. together. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. When's that album supposed to release? Do you have a date yet? We hope June, July. Oh, that's pretty quick. We're negotiating with the guys right now, so... Hopefully. And then you're going to try to get out, promote that. Yeah, we're going to, we already have booked a show, uh, May the 16th in Calhoun, Georgia, at the Harris Arts Center, um, where, you know, we're, Will and I, the singer, we're going to get on stage and, and I'm going to tell the backstory to yeah. the song and then he'll play the song. And then we're going to do a whole concert, yeah. you know, just telling the American people about mm-hmm. these stories and, and do it through songs and stories, putting the two together. Yeah. And so is it going to be kind of theatric oh. and musical? No. Sometimes just more like a storytelling. Two dudes sitting on a stool telling stories. Kind of like us. Those, those are some of the yeah. funnest events I've I agree. been to. You I agree. Get, you get a good storyteller up there, man. Yeah. That's, that's going to be we great. We need to do a local event. Well, we're go- we got to work on that. And and I here's might a have good, a connection. Here's the good news. Katie's a great promoter. Yeah. And uh, I'm so, not. I am not a great promoter. I'm blessed to have great tools to help promote. Oh, so I'll leave it at right. that. Yeah, that's we do. Right. We do. I already mentioned it to Charlie. We'd love to do something local here. I mean, this is such a a town that's more connected to the soldiers and their families here yeah. than anywhere I've mm-hmm. been. And I, you know, 30 years in the Army all over the world. Fort Campbell, Clarksville, Hopkinsville, Oak Grove. It, unique. Unique. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're blessed to live amongst heroes and, and friends, and, and we do appreciate uh, all of the soldiers and their families. Oh, my goodness. There's so many people, but... But we do thank you for, you know, yes, what thank you, you have done for our, our country. I think I remember one of our very first podcasts, Mark Green said, and it kind of stuck with me. He said, the thing about this community is you can be standing in the line at the grocery store and there'll be a Medal of Honor winner behind you and you not even know it. Yeah. So that is the beauty of our community. Yeah. So you, you just have so much going on. You are so impressive. And I, like I said, I could just sit here and talk to you all day about five, six different podcasts, but each one of these could be a different podcast. So. 
But you can thank, come back. <laughs> well, I think you should. I think when this album releases, we need to come back and talk about that, and we need to talk further about an event. Sure, play a few songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I think we should. Well, Jimmy, thanks for being here. Thanks thank for having you. me. It's a pleasure. Subscribe now to Clarksville's conversation on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss a single conversation.